welcome back. Yeah. Well, you too. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Back from our travels, from our journeys around the world. Oh my God. <laughs> we're, we're like Carmen San Diego. We just have these jet setting lifestyles. As podcasters do. Oh yeah. Hunting down podcast episodes. <laughs> That's Every how we week. do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we chase down like dozens of juicy leads, but every time we come to the same decision, you know what? We'd rather just talk about Babylon 5. There you go. Yep. That's how we roll here on the Podcasting Guild. That's how we do it. Babylon 5. Brought to you by Mr. San Diego himself, Andrew. <laughs> and me, Eric, another episode of the venerable Babylon 5 TV show that we're taking a look venerable. at today. Venerable. Who are you calling venerable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you dinosaur. Oh, JK. This episode was bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> it was bananas. A little bit happened here. A little bit happened. A little bit happened. I decided not to take notes. Okay. And I should have. Because, <laughs> oh my God, so much stuff happened. So the episode we watched today was The Coming of Shadows, which sees the return of a popular, shall we say, side character to the show. The Emperor of the Centauri, of course, being that character. Very well known, very well liked by Andrew, especially, has returned to the to the episode. Wait, have we met? Wait, we've met him before. No, Uh-oh. no, we haven't. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> and he's he only gets one episode. I was gonna be kind of surprised if he had <laughs> wide acclaim among <laughs> the fan base for his fifteen minutes of screen time. Yes. But yes, we did see someone that matches your description that I think you're teasing. <laughs> Yes, and it did. was pretty nice. I admit it was nice just to see that he was alive. <laughs> you know, I imagine the producers let him out of the hole yep. for a few minutes to record that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like back end, you know, yeah. Silence of the Lamb style, right? Mm-hmm. Those devious TV producers. <laughs> gotta stop me eric i don't know what i'm saying we're 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 being a little little bit silly on this one well we have to be silly because this episode was pretty heavy it was so heavy it was super heavy yeah like just just to taste it how heavy with it one of the sort of casual throwaway lines from lando is implying he's gonna like enslave hundreds of thousands of civilians just being like yeah we're just gonna find work for them to do Mm mm-hmm yeah, super dark, <laughs> super yeah. dark, super heavy. Very much a Shikar uh, episode. I think this is an episode that he carried in a lot of his short scenes. Oh my God, yeah. Shikar was serving it. Every scene he had was some kind of just raging and emoting as hard as he could or like having an emotional epiphany. Every scene was yeah, you had to be an actor I think, to pull that stuff off. <laughs> an actor with a capital A. Capital A. Yeah, well done, Jakar. And then all that makeup. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the makeup helps. I don't know. Maybe. Cosplayers let us know. I've never done it. I probably, <laughs> maybe it helps. That makeup looks really heavy. Mm-hmm. It looks heavy. It looks like it took forever to put on. And on top of that, he's wearing that kind of, not armor, if you will, but bulky suit yeah. that he has on top of him as well agreed so well done to that guy but i agree with you every scene jakar was in he was jakaring as hard as he could yeah basically this episode was about the emperor the the uh uh not lando emperor the uh Mim- not mimbari what are they called oh god the emperor of mankind oh wait wrong series uh, uh centaur centauri yeah the Centauri Emperor, who turns out to be a pretty chill dude. Seems like a cool guy. He seems like a cool guy. He seems like a real cool guy. He's like, oh my god, I've been blind my whole life until just now I, you know, see the truth that I can like make peace and stuff. It was honestly 
that's a lot on you though, right? Mm-hmm. Your hair is gray, man. You've really never questioned the status quo and your place and power you might have over it in your decades and decades and decades. Yeah, of... I kind of viewed that as, as kind of like a, a decision a lame duck president makes when they know they can't be reelected in any way. So just going to throw the dice and see how it works out if it comes out good. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe knowing that he was dying of this illness, he was like, well... He doesn't have to suffer the replications on it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It seems to be a Centauri feature to only see the light at the last moment, after way after it's too late. Yeah, one of those experiences a little bit of that too, this episode. Oh my god. <laughs> when Veer was just, don't do it. Yeah. And of course, you as the audience were like, yeah, yeah, obviously don't do this, Londo. <laughs> Listen to Veer. Veer trying to be the good angel on Londo's shoulder, not succeeding uh, this episode. Yeah, so the Emperor who is sick and is also pretty cool and chill is coming to Babylon 5. With his harem of telepath ladies. <laughs> you know, I think they might just be telepath ladies. I don't know. Are, are they a harem? Mm, that's fair. That's fair. Are they just, are they just employees, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they visit babylon 5 and it turns out they're visiting specifically to apologize to the narn the the narn the jacarans the jacarans yep the narn thank you Uh which of course jacar before he knew this he was literally ready to murder he was planning an assassination attempt. He was, yeah. His first few scenes are kind of a broken up montage of him planning an assassination attempt, getting his affairs in order, yep, psyching himself up to do it, and then, and then the emperor has a space heart attack. <laughs> heart attacks. He had two hearts, by the way. Two. So, d- d- so is that two... hearts attack or is that heart attacks? I don't know. Hearts attack. <laughs> it's it's definitely hearts attack hearts attack okay yeah just confirm it medical term right there (laughs) many hearts have attacked you especially if they're simultaneous like that yeah yeah you know if dr franklin had been given the opportunity to use his patented head padding technique he might have been able to save the, the emperor i'm just saying here I know. didn't tell I know. him beforehand. Exactly. Come on, guys. Come on. He's like, if you had told me right away, I could have been medicinally petting your forehead this whole time. It works every time. This works whole every time. time, your highness. Yeah. Could have saved his life. Could have saved your life. I love how a leftover insurgency bioweapon takes a quick transfusion. Everyone's back on their feet that afternoon. But a heart attack. Heart, heart's attack. Heart's attack. Get it right. Yeah, I mean, you have to wait to die. You have to wait to fade away. There's nothing <laughs> modern science can do for you, my man. Nope. You should have been hit with a with a bioweapon. You should you should have <laughs> wanted that. Instead, you got your heart's yeah. attack. Oh man. Anyway, so that's how the emperor dies. One thing I wanted to note here was that yeah. Uh, I don't know if this was intentional, but I kind of got the impression that the showrunners, the show producers were kind of framing the Narn Centauri dialogue as like a reparation sort of thing. And when Jakar was complaining to Sheridan about the Emperor coming to visit, Sheridan just like was completely not hearing it. I don't care what his people did to you a hundred years ago. That doesn't seem like something that would come across too well in, in reality. If, politician were to say that sort of thing not that yeah you know i completely agree and again on the emperor it's great that he wanted to do this trip but it is very obvious he didn't do any groundwork right the people he was going to apologize to didn't want him to come Mm. and and i feel like that is (laughs) that's a hurdle he should have been overcoming before actually going to babylon 5 yeah, there should have like, been some back channel things going on and he's got people. people have his people talk to the other guy's people maybe if he had gone through his ambassador mm-hmm. well i don't know Lond- londo's a sneaky <laughs> snake 
maybe it wouldn't have gone so well but (laughs) yeah anyway the emperor is diploma sizing the way i would you know (laughs) like just some random dumb asshole off the street would be like oh well i'll just go and talk to them Mm mm-hmm and it's be like, well, have you considered the generations of atrocities right. that your family is like? No, no, it's fine. I'm just going to go and talk to them. Like, shut <laughs> up and stop asking me questions. I'm going to go talk to them now. Yeah, the past doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that <laughs> thousands of billions of lives have been affected by decisions made by my forebearers. And maybe that's that's in character for the emperor sure. because everything we've seen about him has been sort of hopelessly naive, mm. except for his demeanor. They sort of have him have this sort of wise man demeanor, mm-hmm. but I gotta say, actions speak louder than wisely spoken words, and he <laughs> he did not does not come off very well. So he came off as a high schooler that had recently read some philosophy books. And yeah, thought they were I would wise. agree with that. I would agree with that. Which I think, to your point, might make sense with him having a silver spoon his entire life and not having to actually think for himself or deal with consequences, really. No, totally. It was nice of him to take a break from his decadence and orgies to consider his own <laughs> mortality and try to broker peace. Yeah. Maybe he could have started the process six months earlier. Mm-hmm. So that he could have, you know, told the Narn what to expect and <laughs> sort yes. of laid the groundwork to actually be welcome. So basically what we're saying here is that even though you died, Emperor, that wasn't good enough. You needed to do more to make this right. That's what we're saying. I, I completely agree with that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what what would Spider-Man say? With Spider-Man would say, well, with great power, actually, Uncle Ben would say, Uncle or ben whoever would say yeah. someone's Uncle Ben would say, with great power comes great responsibility. And this emperor spent his whole life of power and privilege doing basically nothing until the nothing. last moment. Yep. Shame on him. Uh, you know, okay. He was in my favorite scene, though, which is when he's meeting with sheridan and ivanova mm-hmm. and maybe i think jerobaldi was there too yeah and he was like hey thanks for like risking your lives in the name of diplomacy mm-hmm. and ivanova was like thank you or you're welcome <laughs> yeah <laughs> ivanova was, yeah yeah i am risking my life mm-hmm. thank you someone recognizes it <laughs> yeah. i don't know i kind of love that uh that delivery mm-hmm. that was good <laughs> Little un- little uh, undertext right there. Yeah, so. agreed, agreed. By the way, for all of the emperor's sins, Jakar Jakar is almost as he's Londo did everything very consciously and like mm-hmm. after thinking about it and considering and knowing exactly what he was doing. And Jakar was like sort of depicted as just being incredibly passionate and right. overtaken by his emotions, but neither one acted well. Don't go trying to kill people that want to come talk to you i guess yeah the history of atrocities is pretty terrible i would agree with that but still come on man you're an ambassador this is literally your job and this is not like the first or second or third or fourth time he has thrown away his responsibilities (laughs) and as an ambassador in like a fit of passion and think if he had managed to assassinate the emperor before he gave his speech the war would have started anyways from that guarantee it's absolutely true and he would have ceded the high ground to Mm -hmm. the centauri who could have been like hey you murdered our emperor you jerk so of course we attacked you so i agree i think when he thanked captain sheridan for holding him back now it was holding him back from like beating up londo which wasn't going Mm -hmm. to change anything but it is kind of interesting how in both characters case it was their own aggression at their own sort of acts of lashing out that would harm them the most right right and i guess it's it remains to be seen exactly how it harms londo because mm-hmm. it, it does seem to have get given him what he wants but he, he's not acting like he gave him what he wants mm-hmm. and the episode really heavily implies that he stepped in it this time yeah yeah gonna wait a little bit to see how this pans out for londo but it doesn't look great londo is sort of becoming 
an actual villain. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm, I think I'm a little late on that. He's he might have <laughs> been kind of a villain for several episodes now, but it's kind of evolving into that. It looks like. I mean, Space Satan didn't. I don't think personally appeared in this episode, but his... he was referenced creepy spaceships yeah definitely were like he was sort of in the episode just not in in the episode (laughs) you say his name three times and he shows up something like that something like that oh you know who was in this episode i recognized him i don't know he probably has been in other things but i recognized him from an episode of firefly Mm -hmm. he was like the bad guy sheriff yep when they attack that brothel mm-hmm. he's the main antagonist of that episode he was the secret agent that spoiler here we go sinclair sends over what sinclair i know right sinclair crazy <laughs> anyway the agent he sent over i recognized from a firefly episode mm-hmm. so i i i was pretty pretty proud happy with myself <laughs> yeah i was also happy to see sinclair although he didn't really tell us a whole lot he just was the rest of them don't want you to know which i was like lame also <laughs> when he was like i don't remember what he was saying i have duties other than being a diplomat but don't mm-hmm. tell anyone and also i can't tell you what the duties were why would you tell them then why <laughs> would you share that over video call if you couldn't share any details yeah and this is sensitive information that you don't want the president to know Mm -hmm. maybe just keep it to yourself my man yeah in this very short video call you're (laughs) having maybe i'll hold on to that one was not impressed with sinclair's infosec not impressed at all i do like that when sheridan pushes garibaldi to give up his source he's like well I'm not going to tell you because if I tell you, that means that someone above you could order me to tell them your secrets and that would make me a bad security guy, which is not bad reasoning. On the one hand, I kind of see where he's coming from, (laughs) but on the other hand, it's like, do you understand what it means to be an intelligence officer? You're supposed (laughs) to give the intelligence to the people who rank above. Mm. That's the whole point. But yes, I take your point. He's protecting his sources. And his point, I agree with it, that if he starts ratting on who his sources are, other people won't want to be sources. Although, I don't know. Sinclair. Sinclair doesn't seem to be interconnected with the rest of Garibaldi's underworld (laughs) of spies. Yeah, not yet, at least. Who knows? That might change. Oh, my God. What is their arc for Sinclair? We know he's going to travel through time. Maybe he becomes the big bad guy. I mean, did you see his hair? He looked kind of sus. Oh, I would love it if he became the big bad guy. <laughs> became like the god king of the Mimbari. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> so one of the interesting scenes happens around this time where Dr. Franklin has communicated the message to Jakar that you know the emperor is dying, but he wanted you to know that he came here to apologize. And then he finds Londo in the bar area and buys him a oh, drink. Yeah. This is shortly after Londo had just ordered the attack on the Narn. <laughs> like right after the scene, too. We watch the scene of them attacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just watched the scene of the aliens attacking the Narn base yeah. and colony. And Jakar offers to buy Londo a drink and is there might be hope yet for our peoples and stuff like that. And Londo's just like <laughs> He's just in shock and he has a He's great reaction. Sh- <laughs> yeah. It was a great scene. I, mm-hmm. I really did appreciate it. And it's a very Shakespearean episode. Mm-hmm. It's very much like the characters just miss each other by a scene. Mm-hmm. And it's not it doesn't feel forced because you get some of that in some other TV shows where, oh, we just missed them as they were leaving and we had an important message for them. But those feel kind of forced a lot of the time. This felt natural to a large extent, like a natural extension of it taking time for the messages to get to people and things like that. So Jakar doesn't know Narn's been attacked yet and he's buying Londo drinks as it's happening. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And for Lando, at least, it was completely in character. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all the parts of that had been set up in prior episodes. Yep. Jakar, I mean, Jakar was acting pretty rashly. <laughs> Straight up be like, oh, the Emperor's coming? Well, I'm going to stab him. <laughs> you know, I'm not... I don't know if it's out of character for Jakar. We've only seen little bits and pieces of Jakar this whole season. Mm-hmm. But that is a that's a very rash decision. And yeah. we don't have like, you know, three or four episodes of Jakar musing about how much he hates the Emperor personally. And if he ever saw mm-hmm. the Emperor, what he would do to him. So that kind of was a little out of the blue where, where the very first scene we see of Jakar, he was, uh, the Emperor shouldn't come here. Mm-hmm. And Sharon is like, well, he's gonna. And then Jakar is just off plotting to stab him. Yeah. yeah. I think is... it was more that he was a figurehead, a representation of what had happened to the Narn, the hundred years of occupation and kind of the atrocities that happened there. And I think that's really what it came down to. I don't know that his decision to attack the Emperor was as emotional, perhaps. I think it was an opportunity to strike back at the Centauri from his perspective. I think later on, he definitely bounces between a lot of emotions. To be honest, he had the only moment of levity in the entire episode where just before Dr. Franklin comes in to tell him about what's going on, he's complaining to one of the other guys about the Emperor having his heart attacks. I'm like, damn it, I was so close to killing him. And he had the the gall to go and have a heart attack. Oh my God, I know. And he's like... Maybe they can revive him. I only need like two minutes. Yeah, just sit him up. I can just stab him him right there. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, which is absolutely hilarious. And really does, yeah, like highlights that it's the stabbing itself that Jakar wants, not necessarily caring about what impact that would have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although he does seem to tell a lot of people about it. So (laughs) he mustn't try to keep it secret or anything. Yeah, and the Emperor, his final words are basically trying to apologize to the Narn, which totally changes Jakar's perspective for a couple scenes, yeah. <laughs> just long enough to sort of have a you're not so bad kind of drink with Londo. Mm-hmm. And then we hear about the attack. Well, they hear about the attack. And then it's basically back to murderous rage. He was like, right. oh, well, that's what being nice got me. Back to murderous rage. Murderous rage that allows him to go in super Saiyan mode and break stone tables and clothesline security officers and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Straight up thunderdoming all those security officers. And I don't know, was it just security officers or there's just some random ass people in that hallway? No, there are like four or remember. five security officers that he was going through. Full on hulking at them. Yeah. And then Sheridan and like a squad of these dudes needs to just stare him down with guns. Yeah. And we're making a bit of light of it, but honestly, the actor here, Andreas Katsoulis, was completely owning those two scenes and the passion that he was emoting and anger and the rage. You could feel it through the the screen there, what he was going through. Oh yeah, I completely agree. And and all the sort of arcs we've talked about with Jakar require a lot of, I don't know. I'm not not an actor. I don't have the vocabulary to describe it, but yeah, a lot of emoting, a lot of just when he was sort of processing the emperor's apology, you could sort of just watch his face contrasting it with his worldview Mm -hmm. that was excellent and then the sort of betrayal that's what this scene was was there was sort of the rage of the betrayal right and then the plea at sheridan to let him pass and you know they're doing it to us again and that sort of stuff yeah that was that was hard that was great yeah good stuff so then after that we get a council scene yep in which Jakar thanks Sheridan for stopping him from like <laughs> going and beating the tar out of Londo. Yeah. And this is where we get Londo's throwaway line that we'll find something to keep them busy relate, referring mm-hmm. to the civilians, which is just a pretty dark throwaway line. Like, again, you're an ambassador, man. Read the room. I don't know if you caught it, but when Jakar came in, Londo couldn't even look at him. He was looking at the floor. And that was a nice little touch 
Uh, I did actually yeah. notice that, that he didn't even look at them. Mm-hmm. Apparently Sheridan has at least 29 rules by which to live by, by the way. That's it's, too many rules. Yeah, too many rules. You're kind of you're kind of showing off at some point. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's less is more when it comes to rules you live your life by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> less is more, guys. All right, yeah, 29, fine. The only really important thing we got from this meeting is that, A, everyone is pissed at Londo and the Centauris. Mm-hmm. And, B, the Narn have declared war on the Centauri. Oh, and, and they sort of negotiated that all the civilians would be uh, evacuated. Uh, evacu- evacuated. Yeah. Sheridan did some politicking to get the civilians out, at least. So he did a little bit to help. That's nice, I yeah. suppose. <laughs> it was nice. And then, yeah, and then Jakar's like, oh, and by the way, we're at war. Yeah. Which, you know, if I was some of those civilians, I'd be like, could you give it a couple hours mm-hmm. <laughs> till, until the people that you just declared war on aren't literally all around us with guns? Yeah. And then we learn of the coup on Centauri Prime, where the prime minister's also been assassinated. And has been replaced by the Emperor's nephew. And we all know how well nephews do in the span of a TV show and being kings from recent experience, (laughs) right? So that's going to go well. Look, I have nephews that range from 2 to (laughs) 10. And any of them were an emperor, I could definitely be the power behind the throne. <laughs> They're so easy to manipulate. Let me tell you, nephews make the best puppet emperors. <laughs> yeah, so there's a little coup action back on Centauri Prime, that one. Yep. And we also get that scene where we see uh, Sinclair let Garibaldi know that Kay... I'm doing secret things behind the scenes. Stay I'm close it. to the Vormons. Watch out for yeah, shadows. Oh my god. <laughs> I feel like this is what you're risking InfoSec to tell me. Stay close to the Vorlons is good information. What the hell does watch out for shadows mean? Yeah. Like, could you be a little more explicit? What's going on with the shadows? Who knows? What are shadows? There are shadows all around us. I don't know, man. I've never worked for like the CIA or FBI or anything like that, but I bet that they don't give their subordinates information like watch out for shadows. Oh, they just give I their, bet they're more explicit than that. Names like Iceman and Deep Throat and stuff. <laughs> Deep Throat. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> what else happened this episode so much stuff happened this episode I didn't take notes what else so okay we got the emperor died we got the council where everyone hates Londo yep oh there are some great scenes I thought with Veer and Londo both oh, yeah. the one where Veer begs him not to have space Satan murder all these people mm-hmm. which of course was the right choice <laughs> And then there's kind of this one after where Lando, you know, in, in some way got everything he wanted. Yep. But again, it's just him and Veer. And Veer's like, oh, man, what have you done? <laughs> I actually don't remember what Veer says. It was like Veer was asking him, well, why didn't you take the emperor's job? Didn't you want to be emperor? And Londo has a half-hearted, oh, I want to be behind the scenes, but he doesn't sound at all confident about his response. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was having these dreams of... Yeah, he had his dream sequence. Jakar with half a face strangling him to death. Yep. Which is pretty metal. Which is pretty metal. But as an old emperor, which again, Mm. you know, you got to ask yourself, well, everyone's going to die when they're old, if you're lucky. Yeah. Why not be an emperor when when you get strangled? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite scene with Veer was actually near the end here where Reef was coming and kind of talking to Londo about what happened and informing about next steps and stuff like that. And Rifa goes to give his cup to Veer because, you know, Veer is Londo's assistant. They're going to go put it away and whatnot. And Veer just doesn't move at all. His eyes look up at him and doesn't move at all. And then Reva just 
looks awkwardly around, puts his glass back down on the table. Uh, that was kind of funny because I saw that as Veer giving him the finger without doing anything. Yeah, Veer, yeah, no, exactly. Veer being like, uh, yeah, I kind of hate you and yeah. you led my boss and buddy here to commit horrible war crimes. Yeah. So no, I'm not filling up your cup. Yeah, screw you. I'm rebelling screw a little you. bit here somehow. <laughs> Man, go Veer. Veer yeah. was also great this episode mm-hmm. love lo- love me some moral center yeah. should have listened to it londo should have listened to him oh it ends with delenn also getting a message from sinclair message. yeah you know because delenn and sinclair are like that mm-hmm. i have i have my fingers uh, intertwined <laughs> to indicate how close these characters are they did do that marriage ceremony thing in the first season where he didn't know it was a marriage ceremony thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a sexual undercurrent <laughs> with Dylan and Sinclair, which maybe is why they gave her hair. But maybe. I still hate the hair. <laughs> <laughs> at least she knows how to fix it now, thanks to Ivanova. So that's, yeah, that's at least helpful. she washes it now. Oh, my yeah. God. Can you imagine? <laughs> I have to say, I did have a little bit of a chuckle when Franklin was delivering the Emperor's message. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh man, did the Emperor get the right guy to deliver a message? <laughs> Franklin was delivering it. Yeah. He was like, you know, and, you know, I don't remember <laughs> what he said. <laughs> oh, the past tempts us and the presence is in front of us and we must and he was just like him, mm-hmm. like wow yeah what what a message to whisper to some dude okay all right go tell go tell lando you, yeah. you got all that you got no, no i don't want you to read it memorize it i don't <laughs> want you reading off a note looking like an asshole all right franklin mm-hmm. doc you gotta memorize it and he did he did <laughs> memorize it and he delivered yeah. it and it was great yeah, so because the Emperor got a heart attack, is what I'm referring to is that he couldn't tell Londo himself, or not uh, uh, not Londo, Jakar, sorry. Couldn't tell Jakar himself that he was sorry. So he had Dr. Franklin do it. Mm-hmm. It was a whole speech. <laughs> Man, if, if you whisper in my ear, hey, can you, can you go tell my buddy something? It better be two sentences max. Two sentences or bullet points. You know, I'm not going to memorize a paragraph of prose <laughs> because you had a heart attack. That sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. really cold. <laughs> Franklin had to practice that one a little bit before he went into Jakar's quarters. He was outside in the hallway just going back and forth. Pacing, yeah. And the future, what, what, the, the future is ahead of us and we must not be lost in the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So... This episode, I think I told you prior that this episode won the Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. In your opinion, Andrew, did it yeah. deserve that award? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> I, yeah, why not? <laughs> it was great. And it moved the plot forward significantly, which yep. I really appreciate. And yeah, I mean, everyone in it was serving like jakar obviously every scene jakar was in was really tense mm-hmm. but londo was great too yeah londo giving into his you know if nothing else into the momentum of the plot mm-hmm. never saying anything like i regret it but so obviously regretting it yeah <laughs> like oh jesus what have i done there was one scene where he did say i am uncomfortable by this too beer <laughs> but i'm doing it anyways it's okay We'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, that was a ray of hope there where he was, oh, I'm also uncomfortable with that. When it's like, well, yeah, maybe follow that line of thinking. But yeah. but that's why I said it almost seemed like just out of momentum more than anything. That was, well, these are the people he threw his lot in with. Yep. And also they're off murdering people left and right. Mm-hmm. If he's, hey, I don't really want to go through with this. Would they just be like, oh, okay, that's cool. See you later. We'll murder him. Yeah. Would they, would they do the murder part? Probably. Anyway, but you know what, Londo? This is what you get for making deals with both figurative and literal devils. (laughs) Yes. 
yeah so both jakar and londo had an incredible episode in terms of dramatic presentation even mm. veer veer had a lot of very sincere and passionate lines delivered so yeah you know what i do agree with that hugo award i mean this was probably the strongest episode in season two for sure yeah so far yeah this is definitely a pivotal one i mean it starts a huge war i mean we don't know how big the war is yet it's, yeah it's only but but yeah yeah starts a big war it feels like a very the status quo is irreparably changed type mm-hmm. episode yeah man i didn't know they had they had hugo awards for i mean you told me last time but mm-hmm. yeah i didn't know they had hugo awards for anything but books yeah i thought it was they a book do. thing they do hugo awards for tv and movies as well well good i'm not surprised this show was pretty ahead of its time wasn't it in yeah. terms of like the plot lines it's presenting and like mm-hmm. the kind of dramatic situations it's presenting yeah obviously a bit more drawn out because you're doing 22 24 episodes a season instead of six or ten like you do with modern tv but definitely yeah, totally yeah ahead of its time for kind of the long form storytelling arc that we're seeing finally coming to a head now with a lot of the, the key storylines and threads um, with this season and you know that involved like war crimes and mm-hmm. like colonizers and colonial atrocities and a sort of echo- echoes of that yeah to be presenting that to an american audience in the 90s you know good for them yeah, yeah. i think i think they were ahead of their time a little bit and you, you, you didn't see this kind of stuff in I mean, you still don't see this kind of stuff in most shows honestly and to a lot of extent yeah that's very true yeah cool yeah this was a a great one for sure who was your favorite character this episode i mean i think i think you said it i think jakar yeah i think i think i'm sorry i don't remember what the actor's name was but i think you're right that he was just he he was in like half the scenes Mm -hmm. and he was the center of attention every single time yeah. Even when he was standing in the background, like in that the start of that council scene, mm-hmm. you almost can't take your eyes off him, and everyone in the room is reacting to him. So yeah, yeah, for sure, I gotta say. Yeah, it's uh, cool to Jakar. see the evolution of the characters from season one to season two, where they're at now, and kind of, you know, Jakar was definitely very much an antagonist early on, and now you're nothing but sympathetic to what he's going through almost. And what his people are going through. I'm sympathetic, but again, they made his murder plot room red, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think yeah. giving into a murderous rage hey, is not virtuous. Just because he <laughs> he lives in a red room doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Give him a break, <laughs> Andrew. He just likes color red. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he's developing film. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Maybe he's developing film, and he just happened to be plotting a murder all right all right let's not hate on exactly. people who hang out in red rooms exactly andrew you don't know. only some of them are plotting murders but that's true of all rooms okay Mm-hmm. glad we got that out there exactly well done good job good times have to have fun it was a really heavy episode it was, was there wasn't <laughs> yeah. a lot of humor just that one moment of levity but yeah it's pretty pretty heavy episode all all told would you agree eric was jakar your favorite character oh yeah yeah i think he owned this episode this was definitely his episode and um to give it to anyone else would be a slight to that actor i agree i agree but but i an honorable mention to londo for sure or at least the actor playing londo yep because they definitely also had to bring their a game this episode yeah to again i think they did a great job of saying a lot of things without saying it mm-hmm. this is a good episode yeah this is a good season this is a, this is a better season than the first one yeah this one not that the first one was bad but this one has I, there haven't been any duds there haven't been any tkos in this <laughs> season you know <laughs> yeah and all of the episodes move the plot along some of them a little bit less than others but there's definitely <laughs> more plot movement than you got for the first season and to be sure a lot of the first season had standalone episodes like dko um, 
I don't think TKO yeah, has informed yeah. anything since it happened. <laughs> no, thank God. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind Monster of the Week episodes, sure. but it is impressive when you have seasons that are two dozen episodes long, and you make a good chunk of them, or maybe even most of them, required watching in right. terms of the plot. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So all around a good episode worthy of a hugo award and definitely Agreed. one that is critical viewing to season two of babylon five yeah agreed i mean it's it's the only episode i might watch again mm-hmm. just because so much happened and it was very good and along yeah. with tko don't forget that one you gotta watch that again oh definitely oh, definitely that one yeah I have, I have posters from that episode <laughs> up on my wall <laughs> someday yeah. i'll win the muatai you will eric you will you'll be the first human to win it because uh what's his name didn't win he he tied i think he didn't win that one so there's that you could be the fish first human <laughs> <laughs> space rocky you know yep. yeah i don't think he won. i was trying to remember <laughs> his name and there's just no way yeah space rocky okay so our next episode that we're going to be watching is gropos so that will be interesting. Let How do you spell it. that? Gropos. G-R-O-P-R-O-S. Gropos. Gropros. Yes. Gropros. Gropos, yeah. But before know, we... Sounds inappropriate. <laughs> you could take it that way when we, when we get there. We'll, we'll talk a bit about that in the next episode. But before we sign off for today... Let's have a quick aside over to Science Corner. I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space! Ah, good old Tim Curry. Uh, Thanks, Mr. Curry. Yep. Yeah, see you. We'll see you next week. <laughs> oh, so nice. So nice. So Great nice. guy. Great guy. Brought us cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Science Corner. Science Corner. We have Welcome. science in this corner. And did you hear scientists have created or discovered or developed a new type of ice? I I have not heard this. <laughs> Tell me all about it. So, this is a fun science story because this is one of those stories that really show how scientists are just like us, right? So it was like a <laughs> Friday like afternoon at the lab and the scientist was just like, oh, well, you know, we're going to be going home a little bit. They'd probably knock back a whiskey or two, you know, as one does at the end of the day on a Friday. And they just thought they'd try something out. So they put some ice in a bucket and put some metal balls in the bucket and they told the machine to shake it really hard and make it really cold and this all of a sudden discovered a new type of ice by doing this so the article in the smithsonian which will be linked to in our show notes for those interested talks about how with ice has a very structured molecular structure because it's solidified and that sort of stuff but this form of ice doesn't have that structure a different sort of structure that has commonalities with ice in its fluid form, water, um, which, by the way, water is a very weird substance in the galactic scheme of things in terms of how it works compared to most other substances out there. But, yeah, so it's true. interesting. And they, they're they speculating that studying this new ice they discovered might help them understand ice formation on, like, some of the moon's of the Jovian planets and how that might work there. That's kind of interesting. They said that you they like shook it hard. Yeah. <laughs> while it was freezing. So basically they didn't allow the or they sort of smashed apart the mm-hmm. sort of larger, more delicate crystalline structures. Yeah, and they that... thought it would just be smaller ice cubes, right? Yeah. Sure. But no, it turned it into like a not a semi liquid ice, but kind of with a liquid like structure to it apparently, which is really That's fascinating. Super interesting. Yeah, and when I heard that they were just putting metal balls in the ice and shaking, I just kind of envisioned that they were at a bar with a 
drink shaker and shaking it really hard. But no, they put it into a machine and made the machine do it. And yeah, which I guess makes sense. You can replicate that. But no one thought this was going to happen. They just kind of did it as, let's just see what happens. Wow. You know, (laughs) scientists are just like you and me, Eric. Yeah. I mean, I would do that if I had a machine like that. Like what that would do. Just shake it. Put it in there. (laughs) Maybe next time we'll try it with something else. (laughs) So I thought that was a fun little story. That's a cool story. You'd think ice we had figured out. Like I'm kind of shocked that there were forms of ice that were out there yet to be discovered. Yeah. It's a fun and interesting little article that I came across. Why the Jovian planets specifically? Uh, I think it's something about the way the ice is formed on there or something like that. I didn't quite get a solid understanding of that portion of it. but On the moons or on the, the moons? Uh, yeah, the moons. The gas giants. The okay. Planets. There's kind of like a small side at the end of the article. They didn't really go into detail on that from Eric, that standpoint. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> supposed to know these things this is your this is the whole corner here is filled with science it's the science well they say that the moons might have amorphous ice on their surfaces which is similar to the ice that they just discovered or developed as part of this silly little experiment they had on a friday afternoon the amorphous ice that is pretty pretty interesting actually amorphous ice yeah that's pretty interesting Thanks for educating me and the rest of our listeners, Eric. You're welcome. Scientists are just like you, you see? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but if you see them in the wild, don't feed them, okay? They can't become dependent on humans. And definitely don't feed them after midnight. You don't want to see what happens when that happens. Oh, my God. They'll never stop crawling. They're like a gremlin. (laughs) All right. Well, folks... This brings us to the end of today's episode of the Podcasting Guild. We appreciate your listening and your ears for this episode. As the Emperor might have said, give us your ears, dear listeners, and we will educate you on many things. That's what the Emperor says. That was a perfect impression. Yeah. I thought the Centauri Emperor was here in the room with me and Tim Curry right now. I mean... He is, right? There you go. He's <laughs> with all of us, Eric. He it's is. With all of us. He is. Well, with that being said, any last words, my dear friend Andrew? Oh, I think just the huge. A good eating to you. A good eating to you, too. <laughs> <laughs>